0: This is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further
1: info. My guest today has had an extensive career in construction and real estate. Growing up in Essex is where she first found inspiration to step foot into the industry. Since then, she served as the president of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, worked with PWC, and today she sits as head of strategic advisory at CBRE. Amanda Clark is a senior property professional, and I'm keen to find out how one manages to juggle so many hats. It's a pleasure to meet with you, Amanda.
0: Hi, Rosie, lovely to meet with you today. And I'm, I'm interested to see about all these hats
1: as well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. Um, what sparked your interest to get into the construction industry?
0: I think um, it really, if, if I kind of go right back to childhood, there was a lot about Lego bricks and a Hornby train set, if I'm perfectly honest. And then probably later on, it was when the M25 motorway was being built near family home and I got to know the clerk of works. Mm -hmm. And he used to take me out and I'd see these big earth moving machinery and I think, wow, that's amazing. Um, And it was at a time where I was making career choices and I knew kind of more what I didn't want to be than what I did. And then when I started to think about construction, because... For me, that's such a fantastic way to actually help build and change the world around you. So you're literally, your legacy is the buildings that you create, and you're creating something for communities. So that kind of really felt something that I was going to be
1: quite passionate about, and um, yeah, just really took it from there. So in terms of obviously getting onto the ladder, so to speak, I mean, did you have to do much studying for it, or was it more about who you know rather than what you know?
0: No, there's a lot of study. Um, And quite interestingly for my school, I didn't go straight to university and basically do a full-time degree. What I did was, um, it's kind of like, it's almost like the apprentice route today. So I was studying a day a week at university over five years doing my degree. But for the other four days, I was um, working full-time and sort of like learning to become a surveyor. Mm. Um, And that was a fantastic way of doing it. And I think, as a result, really, my career it allowed you to progress much, much more quickly. Um, for a couple of those years, I was actually um, studying music as well, and we'll probably come on to that one. I know you're going to ask me if, about some songs, which is really kind of, I've had to think really hard about the songs. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was really it was sort of work, working and studying at the same time, and, and then I did a master's as well. So I did a master's over two years at um, Reading University. The first degree was Anglia Ruskin University um and i did that part-time as well and you know again balancing it while you're working
1: so who was you working with when you was doing almost this apprenticeship kind of thing
0: yeah it was a company they don't exist anymore uh, really in the in the guise that they were but um bdb surveying services and um, they've since sort of been bought up and moved on but i was working with them and um then sort of you know kind of that was a QS practice. Then I moved into project management and then moved did some computer systems development. So, a whole variety of things in those sort of like formative years.
1: So, let's move on to your uh, first song choice, talking of music. Um, what have you got for us?
0: So, the first one, it's a bit of an unusual one. So, I don't know if we've got people that love classical music, but certainly I do, and it's a really great way for me to relax. So I've picked the Rachmaninoff's piano concerto number two. I picked it, it was my Desert Island disc when I I did a piece for uh, BBC Essex a while back and um, I absolutely love it, it's just one of those songs that you can just completely lose yourself in and I'm on the development board for the London Symphony Orchestra and I had the pleasure just a couple of weeks ago to hear this piece of music actually being played and it was just amazing so for me it's just there's such a lot of emotion in it and if I could only ever have one song on my iPod or iPad or whatever it would be this one.
1: I'm interested to know about your experiences at the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. Um, obviously, for those in the industry, that's quite that's quite some feat. Um, how did you actually become president?
0: Um, I got involved over a number of years. so I think um, you know wanted to make a difference to and contribute to my profession. I was involved in lots of different things um, and, you know, more recently actually getting involved in the management board where I was vice chair of that. So I also set up the National um, uh, Council for England and Wales, the um, World Regional Board. Um, and then that really led into the World Regional Board for UK and Ireland. Um, so, kind of, have been involved in lots of different things and, um, you know, kind of really seemed to be leading the profession. I became the longest-serving in 123 years, which was, um, you know, amazing. Amazing to just have that slightly longer tenure, partly because of some of the governance changes that we had, and I also was the second female, so that was that was great as well. And it's, we had a 150th anniversary literally last year in 2018, and it's taken us a long while to get um, female presidents. And Louise Brooks Smith was the first female president. And Kath Fontana is coming through in a couple of years' time, and she'll be the third female president. So it's happening, and I think it's really important to see that. And you know, people want to see role models up there. Mm. And I think to have a female role model in that senior position is incredibly important.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's phenomenal, really. So tell us, what did your work involve as being president over there?
0: Lots of travel. Um, So I think, um, you know, from places like, my first trip overseas was actually to Japan. Um, I had the pleasure of going to Brazil, Africa, India, China, um, all over Europe to to different places. So lots of travel, Um, kind of an, an ambassadorial role really for the profession and speaking to government leaders and business leaders all over the world. also to students so very much about encouraging the next generation as they come through and both here in the uk um and one of my kind of like one of my favorite events i guess would be actually being out of the school of the built environment in india and standing in front of one and a half thousand students and that course didn't exist um you know four years before I sort of took up the role so uh, and I can remember the RICS making a really you know we were there and we were making a really important strategic decision about whether to invest and to work with Amity University to set up the school and it was really because the Indian government had come and said that they wanted to create a property and building profession and would RICS help so to see those students and the caliber of those students was just phenomenal you know it really was fantastic
1: So a lot of giving back as well which is always good. Um, So slightly different to your work today, um, Head of uh, Strategic Advisory at CBRE. Um, So for those who don't know tell us as a conglomerate what is CBRE? So CBRE is the world's
0: leading real estate advisor. So basically we do everything um, around property and a lot in construction as well, supporting our clients' in ge- uh, agendas, which is around, it could be investor op- um, clients, so looking to kind of invest in real estate. Um, it could be occupy clients, so basically people who Um, you know are in buildings and also landlords so and we'll do everything on the asset journey so from buying the land to creating the building and and making that development work right the way through to actually transacting and selling so you know literally could be selling one of the big skyscrapers in london
1: wow so right from start to finish literally and what three areas does your work entail today Yeah, so um, for me it's about creating value for
0: clients um, and that's what I'm really looking to to do and that's very much at the boardroom agenda. So it's how does the business agenda combined with um, the real estate agenda. So, you know, you hear of, you you could name any one of the FTSE 100, FTSE 250 companies, and basically they'll either own or occupy property. And that's not really what their core business is about. Um, So we're helping them at that board level um, really think through what do they want to do with their property. And a lot around the people agenda as well. So it's basically about how can we create a really great environment that people want to be. So we talk about places, so place making around cities or it might be around developments. Um, It could be about, um, you know, the workplace experience, so actually creating a really healthy building where people are going to be. So that kind of places,
1: people and property. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Let's Mm -hmm. move on to your second song choice. What have you got for us?
0: It's it's my only other classical one and it's, um, again, it's Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata and it's probably one of those pieces that's just been with me throughout the whole of my life. My grandmother used to play it, Um, my father plays it, I play it, um, when I was growing up, my parents said they could always tell what mood I was in because it, you know basically if I was playing it really fast or really heavy or you could just kind of get that sense on it um I love it because actually Beethoven had really big hands so it 's quite if you have smaller hands then it's it 's a really difficult piece to play, but everybody knows it of course and it's it's again it 's just one of those lovely pieces that you can really sit back and relax to and on a friday when you've had a busy week to put that on and you know maybe a glass of wine and just sit back and relax is really important
1: So I know over the years you've worked with um, many conglomerates. And what would you say are the benefits of working with uh, within a large organisation in comparison to, say, running your own business?
0: It's funny, because I've actually I've worked... I started my career in very much the smaller business environment and then became a partner at PwC and also at EY, so I had kind of two of the big four. And then kind of coming to CBRE you know, this is this is the world's largest, as I said earlier, so again, it's a really, you know, big organisation. I think what's unique about all of those is that you it's the people that work in the organisations, they're all about how providing a service out to your clients, and actually the expertise of the people that you have in your team, so working with some really, really great people is the big differentiator for me. What's been fantastic is the clients that I've got to work with, with all of those organisations. So, um, you know, whether it's within government or, you know, out in the private sector, um, what you have is a really blended career whereby all of the experience that you get by working with those types of companies you can kind of enrich then the advice that you're actually able to provide to the next client. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty special, and I feel really privileged to have access to the boardroom with, with some of those organisations.
1: I can really understand that. I mean, it is very much about the network that you're surrounded by, and I think for the smaller person in business or the smaller um, business, you you know, networking events is a massive factor for that because you're surrounded by that sort of passionate and sort of educated environment you know um so what would you say has been your biggest achievement to date i think there's
0: been lots but i think i have to say without question being at the top of your professional game And being the president of the RICS, I would say, has to go up there as one of my biggest achievements. And, you know, it it really was a privilege to represent the profession and to sort of like really focus on the key areas that I had when I was um, president, which were around the whole city's agenda and infrastructure as an enabler for that. But also really sort of starting to look at how do we bring the best and brightest people into the profession which is you know literally how do you tackle the war for talent and that's such a key issue still actually for real estate and construction is how do we get you know the best and brightest people into this profession particularly when you look at some of the statistics around, you know, the female agenda, for example. So, um, RICS has 120,000 professionals and uh, graduates and students all around the world, and actually only uh, 13% of those are effectively um, female. And when you, when you look at then kind of like the student graduates, the good news is that figure's coming up, so it's around 25 percent, so we are starting to see that change. But what's going to be really, really important is then how we kind of retain and support and develop that talent as, as those individuals then go through their, um, their career and the different demands that it puts on them. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, that whole war for talent, and it's not, it is about diversity and inclusion, so it's not just the female agenda, but I think with statistics like that, and um, you know, I've written a book recently, co-authored it with Judith Garbler from the RICS, and you know, one of the things that was really important in that is
1: how do we start to change the dial around the diversity and inclusion agenda. Mm. And do you think that's down to raising awareness for women because we were chatting before this about you know now being in a leadership role you really feel like you you almost owe it to uh, younger women out there so to speak as like this is where you can go this is the potential um, of what you can excel at. Do you think it's more about awareness and sort of removing the stigma attached? I think that's a really massive part and
0: you know where do you start with that you have to start right the way back into um, schools basically and for me that's around educating the educators so, and that's not just the teachers in the schools, it's the mums and dads. And, you know, you kind of, you have to kind of help them to help their children to understand. And, I, you know, one of the messages I always say to anybody that kind of comes from the real estate or construction background is you're all role models. You owe it to that next generation. Just go out there and tell people why you love your job. And we all do our job, but I certainly feel I'm really lucky that, I, you know, I do my job because I really love it. So if you just go and give that message to that next generation and just help them, help open the horizons on what the um, opportunities and potential is in, in real estate and construction. So definitely, attraction's a really important part of it. Um, The second area is how you kind of then bring them in and how you get them qualified um, so that they can actually provide the advice to clients and that's you know, for some it might be that they go through um, a traditional degree route and that's brilliant. For some people that's more difficult and I think that's why the apprenticeship route that we've now got and. I also work with the um, University College of Estate Management, I'm on the board there, and I love the way that they work, so it's a very flexible way of learning, so it allows people to study whilst they're working, and I think that's going to be, you know, that's increasingly important, people don't want to have big debts when they, um, you know, when they're starting out, Mm -hmm. so, and allowing that flexibility, so again that diversity and inclusion agenda around allowing people to choose the way they want to study Mm -hmm. and how it suits their life. But also, Rosie, it's really about, you know, how do you kind of keep that talent once you've got it? So if we work really hard to attract people in and we then give them the roots to kind of like
1: qualification, then we have to make sure that we really support them in the workplace. And for a woman like yourself who's worked in industry for so long, have you ever felt held back um, for being a woman in property or real estate?
0: I haven't, but I think... I know so many people that have and I almost feel guilty by saying no and I think that's perhaps you know whether it's I don't know whether it's confidence thing or um, you know I've just been really lucky in the workplace but I've just always kind of got on with my career and that's not being arrogant about it because I know people who are equally confident and they've had some really difficult experiences so I think you know, not everybody's roots are the same and their experiences are the same and I think what we need to do is actually and it's why podcasts like this is so important, is if we can all share experiences and learn from one another and help and support one another. I'm a real believer in climb the ladder but bring someone with you and really support that next generation and talk about things. You know, talk about things to your your bosses and the people in the workplace and you know kind of going back to the book a little bit, it's really unusually for a book it's about action not words and what's really important is giving people the confidence and the permission to talk about things men and women in the workplace that allows everybody to kind of almost do the deal with their manager or their employer about how they want to work and how they're going to perform at their best.
1: So let's move on to your third song choice Um, tell us about this one Amanda.
0: Um, gosh, which one shall I go for? Let me have a look. I'm going to go... I love um, Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra. It's, um, it's a really happy song, um, and I love that era. You know, it was kind of an era of real sort of elegance and, and grace, so sort of like in the... I think it was 1954 or something like that when that one was written. And um, I had the opportunity to go to Rodeo Drive and go to the Tower Hotel and just see where the Rat Pack used to hang out and it's still got that fe- that, sort of like that feeling of the elegance and, you know, life was kind of quite good at that sort of point in time so um, I picked that one because it's just, again, it's a really happy song and also for me, I like it because it's about infrastructure and transportation of the future so I hope one day, yeah, who knows, we might get to fly to the moon wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs>
1: in other words... Please be true. In other words, I love you. Well, I guess really my next question would be sort of based around, I'm, I can imagine you're quite busy and got a hectic agenda. How do you manage your time effectively?
0: I've
1: got a wonderful... EA, um, her name's
0: Tracy Beard she's absolutely fantastic and she supports me and that really helps me in terms of getting that balance but I think um, in terms of overall it's really about that, that you've got to do a deal with yourself about what's going to work for you and what doesn't and what commitments you've actually got kind of around that as well so actually it's, it is about balance and kind of putting some boundaries around what matters and what you know, what are the like red line zones for you and I switch off by doing some pretty kind of mad things. So I love sailing, I love skiing. Um, I'm big into photography, I like interior design. I'm a bit of a Francophile, so I like all things France as well. So getting out to France and relaxing over there, that's, that's a real tonic. So and music's a real escape for me as well. So either listening or playing music is, is a really good way. And coupled with good friends and family. So, yeah. you, so you need that. So you need the time out. And then it kind of is the really, you know, it's a good balance to having a really busy day job. And what would you say you're passionate about? Passionate about buildings, uh, I think, is one thing, um, without question. So I'm I'm kind of quite boring, you know, I kind of walk around and take lots of photos of of buildings and, you know, I really enjoy that. But I love people. I think my real passion is people and making a difference.
1: And what, in terms of buildings and construction, um, what sort of prolific changes would you say you've seen over the years in the industry?
0: In the industry or in the buildings? um, I think the buildings, you know, we're seeing... A much more densification of buildings we're seeing much more advanced technologies going into buildings we're seeing buildings getting you know smarter more high-rise more exciting actually is, is what we're seeing and I think more broadly in the industry I think we're seeing it kind of comes back to what I was talking about earlier I think people do realize the value of having buildings that are people-centric and actually really thinking about how people are going to occupy buildings and how they're going to use spaces and you know creating places that people want to be rather than just creating spaces that people exist in and i think you know we've seen that if you kind of look back over time you know kind of why do you why why was the first house ever built it's basically to provide you with shelter what's fantastic now is we're getting really brilliant design in um, in homes both on the outside of how they look and feel and the environments that you're able to create but also in the way that people can occupy those spaces so I think that's what's really exciting and
1: technology is really starting to change a lot of that so the future's going to be amazing Yeah, yeah I'm really confident in that too tech yeah. has got a lot, a lot going on but yeah. which is a whole other subject yeah. um, so let's move on to your fourth and final song um, what have you got for us?
0: Well, I'm going to pick Skyfall um, by Adele. And um, Adele's an Essex girl, a bit like me. And I love Skyfall, so I I think for two reasons. One, 007, you know, who doesn't like 007 and the the cars and the excitement and everything that kind of goes with that. But I love it for Adele. I think it it, it was a real kind of like strong moment of her. It was really well orchestrated, for one thing. I think she comes across as this really strong, modern woman, um, who knows who she who she is, what she's about, and the power that's in that song? I think is fantastic.
1: What advice would you give to those on the way up and coming into not just this industry but generally trying to make their path as a businesswoman or woman in the workplace? I think the
0: biggest piece of advice is don't compromise who and what you are. So be yourself, whoever that is. I think that's really important because it gives you confidence to kind of like really know who you are and therefore to deal with whatever kind of comes across um, you as you kind of go through that career but also not to compromise the values and the things that really matter to you mm. so um, you know that w- I, we talk a lot about in the, the book for example about being um, authentic leaders and allowing everybody the opportunity to come to work and bring themselves to work every day and I think that's a really important, important piece of advice for any woman out there you know you shouldn't have to compromise who and what you are to be successful in the workplace
1: mm. and what does success look like to you? Uh, for a woman or for me personally? I, I, for you personally?
0: Well, um, I, feel, I, I feel successful in that I feel incredibly lucky to be doing this job that I'm doing at the moment, you know, and um, making a difference to people's lives through the built environment is fantastic. The um, organisation, that workforce, the CBRE, you know, the role that I have on the board and the ability to kind of influence our agenda and where this business is going as well as working with our clients at a senior level and helping and supporting them in their agendas and having a great team of people around me. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like, it's a perfect opportunity. And, you know, to kind
1: of make the most of that is really important. I'm sure you've pathed a lot of that though, paved the way a lot in the sense of, you know, they say you make your own luck, right?
0: I'm not gonna even answer that, (laughs) I think if I'm honest. yeah, I mean, you know, I'm 33 years in, in, the, in, having, in the workplace. So, you know, obviously with that comes a lot of experience and, and things that you do along the way. And, yeah, I've had my setbacks and, you know, different issues. It's not being plain sailing by any stretch of yeah. the imagination. But I think what you have to do when you do get those knockbacks so or you're dealing with difficult situations is you have to learn from it. Um, and, you know, you kind of... I think sometimes, you know, do you make your own luck or are you lucky or, um, you know, kind of, it's, it's a mix of all of that that comes through I think the other thing, you know, about in terms of advice is basically grab the opportunities that are put in front of you. There's some things in my career where I was probably doing things at a very young age or, you know, where you kind of question yourself which women quite often do, mm-hmm. about whether they, whether they can do it or if they got the capability, but I kind of gave myself a nudge in the right direction and said, yeah, you can do it, you know. And trusting your instinct, I think, is really important in terms of how you feel your way through your career, but really grabbing those opportunities and not being afraid to go for it, but asking for help when you need it as well. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things, you know, particularly now, there's some real power in networks that's out there, I think the whole leading movement has really helped bring women together in particular um, to really support one another on their journeys. And I think that's fantastic.
1: And one last question, mm-hmm. if you could do it again, or you had your time again, what would, is there anything you would change?
0: No, I, I'm, there's probably a few things, but I don't, I don't look at it that way. Um, I don't sort of live life with regrets. I'm always looking to the, the future, I guess. You know, would I have a second career? I'd love to, there's other things that I would have loved to have done. And I do, there was a moment in time where I was thinking, do I go and do law or do I kind of go and do my master's in programme management? And there's a little bit of me that just thinks, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have gone on that law degree and kind of, you know, gone and done law master's. But you know what? I don't regret what I've done. Um, I I just think it's been a fantastic um, opportunity to as I say, work with some amazing people, both in the organisations that
1: I've been in and, and also the clients. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Amanda. Is there anything else you'd like to add at all? What's your favourite song? My favourite song? Oh, that is a really good question. I've got so many. Um, I would say I'm a soul girl, oh. so I always normally say the OJs. Um, I think I'll go with Darling, Darling, Baby, that one. Yeah, lovely, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, we'll leave that one there. (laughs) And that's Amanda Clack from CBRE.